Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Uh, Jim, uh, we moved back a half an hour this week, uh, and Jim might have forgotten, so he's playing Warframe right now, (laughs) so maybe he'll show up in a half an hour. (laughs) I tried getting his attention, but you know how you get when you're playing a game and you're like, screw everything else, so... Turn maybe, off notifications. Maybe, yeah, exactly. So maybe, ho- hopefully, he'll show up in a little while. But folks, we have a guest this week uh, joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. Is Kevin Lynn, the developer of Starcom Nexus? Welcome, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm uh, really excited to be here. We're excited to have you because your game. I'll tell you, your game is fantastic. Absolutely yes. fantastic. Yo. Oh, I, I that's that's so nice of you to say. I, I love to hear that. Well, I mean, here's the thing: uh, people have tried to make Starflight games before, and one of the most uh, let's just say it, one of the most infamous examples of this was a game called The Long Journey Home. Mm. Now, uh, the space stuff wasn't too bad, but it was the rover stuff, the planetary landing stuff, that made you want to throw your PC out the darned window. It was it was just terrible. So what you've done is you've kept all that awesome exploration stuff, real time combat, all that stuff, but you've made the um, the planetary stuff more of like kind of a text based event choose your own adventure thing, uh, which is just works great in my opinion. Thank you. Um, it's interesting you should bring that up because I struggled for a really long time trying to figure out. Uh, what to do with the planets? Because um, you know, I, I mentioned this to you earlier. Um, was that the game was based on this you know, pretty simple Flash game that I'd made back in like ten years ago, and I, I said I'm, I want to make it more like Starflight. Starflight is the goal, um, but a modern version of that. And how do I do the planet interaction? Because I don't feel like it just a, a, a straight port of what they did just doesn't I think work in with sort of modern games or sort of the it, it's not right because people's expectations uh, would be a lot different. And so mm-hmm. I played with a bunch of different mini game type ideas before I finally just sort of, I think I was playing out there. Do you have you? I, oh I yeah. I have, yeah. Yeah. Out there is great. Yeah. That's yeah. A good so one. I was playing that. I was like, Oh, well, what if I don't need a mini game? What if, what if like just the encounter is the mini game, just skip trying to make the player do something to get to the, whatever is on the planet and they just interact with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. And and it just works because it keeps it it makes the flow of the game just so fluid but straightforward. It keeps it keeps the flow moving. You're not like hitting this speed bump of, "Oh, I'm having fun flying around the solar system. Oh, now I got to land." I mean, with Starflight it wasn't that bad. Um but with some games, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to go down. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to avoid any situation where it was kind of like I felt like I'm – there's something that either feels like just an unnatural time gate or just it, it just isn't working. It's just not fun. You know, it, not the, it doesn't have to be action every second, but I don't want to feel like, oh, another planet. It's going to be a chore to land on. Yeah, and, and one thing I really like about your game um, is the simplicity of the interface. Like, I love that the the X key is a contextual 
interaction key for everything. Like, that is fantastic. Yeah. So one of the goals early on was I thought, well, maybe this game can work with a controller. And I'm not 100% sure that that's going to happen. But I think keeping that in mind as uh, a goal kind of made me think of ways to simplify the interface so that everything is kind of, and that that kind of works well with keyboard and mouse too. So you're not adding on all sorts of other keys for, for people to have to learn and, and, and just sort of giving an unnecessarily steep learning curve. Yeah. And, and the, it's, the keys are very simple yet. It, they're, they're so, I mean, I love how, even though there's like one key to interact with the universe, it changes depending on what you're doing and where, where you're going, where you're going. Well, thank you. I'm, and it's, I'm glad you like that. It, it's just, it, usability is a big deal to me. Um, in my, especially in my field, usability mm-hmm. has become. I work in SEO, if you all don't know, uh, search engine optimization, and usability is almost as important is is as important as website design, as content. It's just so important because if you have poor usability, people are going to leave your website, and that's the same with video games. Like if you have poor controls, poor menus, if if you're getting in the way of the gamer, then they're not going to want to play your game. And, and you keep it so effortless that it's just it allows the player to just enjoy the joy of exploration, which is just so important to this game. So well done, well done. We are very thank you, very wow, happy. You. Well, I uh, oh, yeah. like I said early on, you know, I just uh, you Space Game Junkie is you know when I first started thinking about it, it's like this seems to be you know I discovered you as a result of sort of market research for this game, and this was like. You know, I don't know, six years ago or so, and, and thinking, wow. you know, looking at your audience and being like, Space Game Junkie is the first press I am going to contact when this game is, is ready to be played. And I was well, that's de- an honor. Yeah, I, I feel very, we feel very honored. I and we. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm honored to be on your, on your show. We've got a nice little mutual admiration society here. So, so basically, folks, if you're we've we've been talking about the game as if you all know what the hell's going on. Um, we kind of jumped ahead because we're so excited. Uh, basically, Starcom Nexus is a game where you have a ship. It's a modular ship that you can um, move components around and change. Like once you go to a base, you can basically you can use a blueprint system to make a pre-made ship, or you can make it yourself using a very Easy and efficient. Like, you don't, y'all know I hate building ships, but in this game, it's great. It's fine. It's simple. Just boom, 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 done. Really great. Um, you're basically, in a lot of these games, you're transported to another end of the galaxy and you have to find your way home, yada, yada. That, that's typical sci fi stuff like this. But the, the thing that excels about this game is um, basically you have this map and the map is connected by these, by, the map is connected by wormholes. And some kind of gate. What's the what are the gates called? I, I can't remember what. Are they? Uh, yeah, they're they're called uh, they're called gateways. Nexus gateways. gateways. Yeah, Nexus gateways. So basically, you have multiple ways to move around, but it's you also have the star flighty method if you want of just pointing your ship and going, and you could actually find stuff off the beaten path if you just because. Is the map? The map is entirely like real time. It's not like you're jump. The systems aren't like instanced, right? You're just going. Yeah, it's all. A, it's a continuous uh, oh, open world. Everything yeah, is- that is wonderful. That is that is wonderful. 
Because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these games, they do the instance thing where you jump from sector to sector, system to system, and they're all different bubbles, you know? Yeah, there's um, one of the goals was to have that because I wanted to be able to have stuff that players can discover um, and, and have clues in the game where people sort of discover something where it describes like, you know, you, you, you find a primitive tribe on a planet. They've got some mythos about, you know, two blue eyed sisters. And, and then maybe you're thinking like, oh, that sort of sounds like the those those binary stars that I encountered. And if you follow a line from there, you'll find a star hidden off, you know, a planet hidden off. But you have to, like, go way out in space to find it. And I think that that was kind of one of the main reasons that I wanted to have the the whole con- connected continuous space. And it, and I have to say it's really impressive because I'm running an older computer. It's a, what is it, an i7-920 with a set GTX 770. It sits on the older side. And even though you have this entire universe loaded, basically, I didn't have any slowdowns. You know, I didn't have any uh, any stuttering. It ran great. It loaded quickly. So well done Very there. Very stable. Very stable. Just really well done. You've been doing these beta phases to help with that, right? You've had you've been doing rounds of closed beta testing. Right? Yeah, I think that's something that was kind of a. Uh, something that, that that that's turned out really well. I think it had to do with kind of my, a little bit with my anxiety of of putting it out there. I was sort of like, you know, um, well, let me let me back up a little bit. Let me tell the the background story. Okay. Um. So about ten years ago, I made my second ever flash game called Starcom, and put it out on the web. And it, I, I didn't really have any expectations for it, but it kind of developed a a bit of a cult following. Uh, over the years, um, I think it's had about two million plays, you know, worldwide over the you know decade, and and even today, people still play, um, you know, play it, which is despite the fact you know that Flash is like disabled in every browser you can download. Uh, and after the fact, I had this I- idea. I was like, oh, I should you know maybe try to put some sort of mailing list sign up for it uh, out there, and I was able to you know even though I did it much too late people were still interested in the game and found the signup form. And so that gave me an initial pool to, to pull beta testers from, and they have been super, super helpful um, because, you know, when you're a developer, you get so close to a game that you can't see what's working and not working. Right. And that, I have to say it's, it's it's very different from what a lot of developers are doing these days with it just going into early access and letting just anybody kind of beta test. You're, you're kind of taking a larger leap of faith here, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, I, I kind of did the mistaken thing of, and I got a little bit lucky there, where I just sort of worked on it for a long time, got into a pretty good shape, and then I put it in front of the beta testers in August of this year. Um, and of course, you know, but there was always the danger that I had actually like made some really terrible design decisions. And you can't necessarily tell as a developer because you you just don't necessarily see it. Uh, but fortunately, the first round was like, yeah, this is this is great. They had some excellent feedback. They had suggestions that really, I think, have helped it over the iterations. And uh, we just uh, just finished the third closed beta. And there's probably going to be at least one more before early access. You're shooting for December for that. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. I haven't got the exact date nailed down, but uh, before 
whenever a Steam's winter sale is 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 currently the goal. Uh, okay, and we usually don't know that until it gets leaked about a week or two beforehand. <laughs> yeah, but you can sort of guess. Like, I feel like uh, early December should be safe. You know? Yeah, I'm not yeah, that should. Yeah, if you. If, I mean, granted, I know, but I can't say. <laughs> Yeah, don't they tell developers? Don't they tell y'all? Yeah, like- yeah they, they email us in advance and they let us know. Oh yeah, there's a sale coming up. Uh, if you want to set your, you know, your, whatever your percentages are for your DLC or for the base game, etc. Yeah, you can do that in advance because you don't want to do that at the last minute. <laughs> no, no, you, you. I'm, I'm sure Steve wants Steam wants to give you plenty of time, Steve. I said Steam. Uh, Steam wants to give you. I'm going to open a new digital distribution platform called Steve and confuse everybody. Like, does it come with a Steve key? No, I'm sorry. I'm rambling a little bit. But you have to be named Steve. <laughs> Only Steve, people named Steve can play. That's right. There's a one Steve. There, there's a trope called one Steve limit, and it's it's literally that. Store.stevepowered.com. Hi, Jim. You know. You guys are doing the podcast like a half hour early now. That's yeah. how I know. <laughs> I come in and I'm like, boy, they're really talking to this guy a lot. You know, aren't they going to save it for this? Sh- oh no! <laughs> so I apologize. Well, I should, I I should have been back this week. <laughs> I, I should I should have been more proactive in my reminders. I apologize. Um, but uh, yeah, we moved back half an hour because I I just think it's nicer to start at the top of the hour than the half hour. You know. I, I just seem you know what to, I think. What's I think that? I think there needs to be a lot more of this game because <laughs> I played it for like a, about three hours or something, and I unlocked as much of the map as you can. And uh, I, I started out; I was very afraid of bigger ships, and by the end, uh, the enemy was telling their children horror stories about me. It was <laughs> like they'd sit around a campfire and tell about you know the human that like killed hundreds of them. So yeah, I think the power curve's about right. Um and then <laughs> you throw things in front of me that is still spooky, right? You know, it's like, oh, I can kill those guys. And then I go into the next system and then it's like, oh, well now the sentinel things are here. Well, those are pretty tough. But then I can kill those. And then I go into that last system and there's that giant carrier and I know from fighting one of the star bases that fighters are no joke. So it was like, well, let's not anger the carrier. But finally, I, I had to do it, and I almost killed it, but it smoked me. But yeah, so basically, the only thing that was that was limiting me at that point was I I just could not get more research points from right. from doing exploration things to make my ship any cooler. But uh, I I really I, I would say that uh, the game is is a series of correct design choices that uh, seem seem to do the right carrot on the stick with the challenge being pretty well adjusted to with what you get, right? Cause you get, you feel a little bit overpowered and then you go in the next system and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm screwed again. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's the, it's the nice like roller coaster of power rather than a continuous, you know, like Good. climb up into heaven. Can you guys still hear me? We just had a little light flicker here. At- yeah. Here you oh, go. Good. Oh gosh. Yeah, we lost power earlier today, and then I was like, oh, no, I'm going to miss the podcast. But then they got it back, so but I think we're good. We're good. Well, worst comes to worst, you could have used your phone on disc with Discord. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And knock on wood, though. <laughs> don't have to go to that. 
Yeah, thank goodness. So, now, go ahead, other man. thing that I'm really digging is uh, I find that this game, as opposed to uh, like Star Control Origins, right, where you you go to the planet and it's the same deal. It's like I need resources to make my ship cooler, so uh, I'm going to land on the planet and do something. Well, in this game, you go down to the planet and it's a text thing, right? But you have a you have like a puzzle to solve, maybe um, the that diving thing. I lost a couple of crew to that, and I was just like, "Yeah, we're done with you." Uh, but <laughs> um, it's kind of tough. It it, it was kind of like I I kept waiting to be told I was eaten by a Gru. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that was a little bit. I kind of wanted that to be like a little Zork uh, hidden reference. Just you know, I don't want. I think people don't generally like mazes. But I wanted to have kind of one little like throwback to adventure games to have like a okay you now have to solve the mini maze to to get the chart. oh yeah and it, and it's a thing muds. too if you're many many muds <laughs> that was a nice throwback I'll say yeah and if and if you're careful you're not going to lose a guy but I decided yeah, to be I brave didn't. and stupid yeah. and lost two guys and I was, I was like okay well I'd have to get the graph paper out for this so (laughs) I'm really glad that you guys were on this beta because in the previous beta there was a bug and the maze was unsolvable and I was was so disappointed because I I hate to put something out and then learn that there's something that's like players are going to waste you know a half hour trying to do something that they can't do and that just gave me such a bad feeling um and there was a similar bug in this beta as well uh, there's like a clue you can get that points to a point in space and you go there and it takes a long time to get through. And because of the bug, there's nothing there. Um, so hopefully if you, if you guys have played the game and you got the clue, you didn't, you didn't actually trek out there. I got in about four hours. I don't think I encountered that particular issue. You would definitely know it. Def- I definitely heard from that was, I heard from the beta testers on that one. You know, other other thing as far as the scaling of the technology and stuff goes, is that as you get into the the more uh, the big, the better range of your passive scanners, it's not just detecting enemies, but then it's like, oh wait, there's planets out there I didn't see before, or there, there's a whole jump line that I can go to that I didn't see, and you'd ha- you'd have had to like wandered around in the dark for a while to see it before that. So it's it's a way of having the technology actually open the map up without like oh I've developed a new jump engine that can go further or whatever. It's it's just like oh no you can actually see those things over there. Nothing really well, prevented you from the seeing stuff's them. out there. That's the interesting thing is the stuff yeah. is out there already, and yeah, you just don't see it because you're focused around where you jumped in and a couple of planets there. But once you have a wider circle of vision, it's like, oh, hey, there's much more stuff in this system than I saw. So so that's what I find kind of neat is like, yeah, if you, if you want to cruise around and hunt for stuff in the dark, then you can. But if you buy the bigger sensor package, then it's just like, oh, now the map has gotten bigger for me. So I dug that. Um, also like that you're not stuck in the jump lanes because you can, uh, you know, like manually go between stars and stuff and you know it's like there'll be like a uh, like a brown dwarf that's out in a gas cloud's got a bunch of asteroids and you just have to hoof it out there you can't you know just like take a wormhole to it um that's kind of cool i found the that i i got a like a an unusual amount of satisfaction out of the asteroid mining once i'd actually beefed up my my lasers 
quite a bit because I could just sort of sit there with the advanced tractor beam and the better lasers and just like mine out the whole field on the screen without moving around. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I, and I like, does that stuff regenerate or respawn after a while? Uh, currently, no, I kind of have, I mean, it, it certainly could, um, it's currently set so that it remembers how many asteroids there were in the asteroid field and, and, uh, it's a finite resource, but, uh, I have been mm. sort of toying with the idea of making that a sort of slowly renewable resource because there are a yeah. couple of them in the game. Um, and, and it's always a b- tricky balancing issue. There was one right now where, uh, I don't know if you remember, there's like a, a mining facility that if you don't loot it it will gradually replenish um, a mineral over time and you can go back to that planet and re-harvest. Oh, yes. Uh, but then people pointed out that you could just get obscene amounts. Like the balance was way, way off and you know, people were just you know, completely decking out their ship just from this one planet, which was sort of more yeah. supposed to be kind of like an Easter egg. Um, but I'm glad you're liking the the asteroids and I'm just trying to figure out the right balance because I, I don't like games where it's... it's uh, we're, we're, we're grinding asteroids is like a major component. So I was a little bit worried about putting too many of them in there. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you start with, with, a um, an asteroid feel as kind of like a, a part of the tutorial. Um, but I felt that was sort of a, a, you know, people could just pop off a few asteroids and then, and then move on. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it, it never got tedious. It was just a chance to play with my ship a little bit. Yeah. They're nice kind of, it nice didn't fun. over. Yeah, it didn't overstay its welcome. It was just like, oh, okay, well, I clean this system out and move on. But it's a thing where, yeah, it's necessary to hunt those belts down because I was pretty titanium poor, you know, the whole time because you know it's, you max your ship out on modules. I I ended up with like a sixteen module ship by the time I was done, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And I I had enough guns that I could deal with everything but that carrier. <laughs> carrier was still a little rough um but other thing that i liked was in order to get the technology to actually deal with some of the guys that are in some of the systems because you get there and, and it's like well these ships are a little bigger than i really want to deal with but you can wait until the enemy patrol goes away and then sneak in and get an away team down there and get some xp and then run away <laughs> and that, and that's kind of cool because it's like you don't like implicitly put in you know, it's like, hey, there's, or explicitly rather, um, you don't explicitly throw like, hey, there's a stealth section here. You have to stealth. You know, it's like you get a cloaking thing or whatever. No, that's none of that. It's just like, just wait, be patient, wait for your opening, duck in there, steal the cookies, and get out. <laughs> and and I I like that. Um, it's very organic feeling. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing is, I thought that the nexus points are placed rather well. And can can you warp only between nexus points, or a nexus point can throw you into a system where there isn't one? You, uh, they're basically straight. They're sort of like the uh, the flux lines from Starflight. So they're so they're fixed point uh, A to B, and mm. then you have the the gateways where any gateway can take you to any other gateway that you want to. Okay, yeah, it's, it's the big travel things that I like. Yeah. yeah, well, I think the gateways are spaced out pretty nicely because it's like oh, it's not in every system, but whenever it becomes like, I'd really like to go back to home base and boy, what a pain in the ass it would be to have to navigate back through a hundred wormholes to get back there. So, so you can just jump from anywhere on the map, like right back to home base and then come right back to where you were. And that's very cool. Uh, But it still makes you work to get them because they're not super obvious. It's not like you pop in the system and Hey, here it is. And again, the scanner thing 
because some of them I didn't see until I had a better scanner. And then I'm like, oh, there is one here. Okay. So, yeah, it's good good times. Um, I'm hoping that in the full game there's more interaction between, like, different races and stuff and the planets themselves. You know, if there yeah. was if there was people on the planets that sometimes give you a quest to go do stuff, um, because it's we played a lot of Drox operative here, and that's one of the things that's really cool in Drox is there's planets that don't like each other, and they'll ask you like go over there and do something to them for us. Yeah, I wanted to swing it around because we we're talking sort of just before we started that uh, I mean I think of I mean you guys. I, I design and work on a lot of gaming, but I don't have a lot of time to play games. And and I think you guys are kind of domain experts, especially in the the space theme genre. And so if you guys want to talk a little bit about what kind of features both you and and your 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 audience likes, that's just super helpful to me because Oh, don't worry. That will come up. We will, we will have ideas <laughs> for you. Do not worry. <laughs> that, that almost always happens. We do have a question. Yeah, if there is, oh, uh, I was going to say, if there was some kind of space Pokemon that you uh, went around and you had to like, take pictures of. That's Serolim 4. That's, that's going to be the next Serolim game. No, uh, we do have a question from the audience. Um, McKecht, I hope I said that right, over on YouTube, is asking if there are derelict ships uh, for which to find equipment in. It's funny you should add, because that those two questions are actually... Um, or there's two comments. Uh, Jim's comment and that question are, are a little bit connected in in a bit of content that I'm working on now, and I Ooh. I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, but um, one of the things that I've added um, in the next version are comets, and these are kind of they're they're fixed. They have fixed elliptical orbits. Like once you track them, you know where it is. But you have to find them. There was one, and there's sort of different varieties, different colors, and you have to get close enough to sort. Of, and then they're discovery points, but they also can be clues to things. And so I'm just, that's all I'm going to say on on that on that Ooh. topic there. But say that that ties into your your viewer's question. Okay. Okay. Now this is uh, this game's a little different in the fact that you don't um, you don't like find equipment in loot. You basically research it. And then you have access to it whenever you want, as long as you have the resources to build it. Mostly, yeah. There are a couple cases where you can't build something until you have found um, a piece of technology that that sort of gives you a clue as to, oh, we can deconstruct this and figure out how to build it. Right, exactly. So, like, you can't build missiles until you've. Like kill the ship that 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 happens to drop an intact missile launcher, and then you can research missile launcher. That's yeah, clever. which I, which again, I thought the pacing of that was like you have to deal with somebody that's got one and you don't, and then you get one. So that that was kind of interesting because it puts you on the receiving end of it first, and then it's like, yeah. how am I going to deal with this guy who's throwing missiles all over the place? Yeah, and that kind of works a little bit as foreshadowing, where where um, players say like, okay, I now I'm being shot at with somebody who's got lasers. Maybe I'm going to get. Laser soon. Oh, that's neat. Or or not, depending on whether or not you're very competent in combat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you get com- lasers to the face, <laughs> <laughs> and then you, the can, you, you can get a big mirror and then point the laser back at them. Maybe one thing I do love about the combat is that it's not exact, like. Even though the cursor is right on your enemy, you're not always going to hit. 
because you're not like you're using crew to aim, right? You're not using like just these super accurate computers. It's your crew that aims. I'm guessing. Um, in the game, in the game lore, there's sort of a, basically you've kind of got like the low end tech, so you can actually that that is an upgradable uh, tech, so you can get your your plasma beams. So so at start they're sort of sort of accurate, but then um, you can get them very accurate if you go down that uh, that tech path. Oh, yeah, I had okay. I had like six on my ship toward the end. I I never researched missiles. I just went right for the for the uh, plasma. And it was uh, it was interesting because until I researched the tech to get the accuracy up, it, it became kind of a rapid fire shotgun. And but it wasn't quite accurate enough because once you once you start dealing with the bigger ships where it's like, I really need to blow a particular piece out of him. Right. You know, it's, it's kind Engines. of the tootsie. It, it's the it's like the tootsie pop thing. It's like how many how many lasers does it take to get to the candy center? <laughs> you know, yeah. He blows then- up. That was something that I, I'm not sure if I've gotten right yet, but that was a goal. Like, for example, the um, uh, the Sentinels, the ships are designed in such a way that um, you can usually shear off a pretty vital section if you are if you either get close enough or have good enough targeting. So, like the the interceptors and the the carriers, like they're still going to be dangerous, but if you can chop off a big chunk of them, there's usually like a weak point that if you can cut through. Uh, they're sort of more dealable, you know, because like the once the once a part breaks off the whole thing, like that whole part blows up and then you just have like a third, like, you know, two thirds of the ship to deal with. Yeah. What I ended up doing was I ended up boosting up my accuracy and range. And then I would chop off their engines ah. and kill them from range because I was out of right. weapon range. So they, they were very much disabled at that point. <laughs> totally. Yeah, one- on on the big carrier, um, you have to hammer at that thing for a while before the pieces come off. So there was an engine that I shot off, and it was a it was just a nice little graphical touch that I noticed where when the engine blew off, it didn't just explode and fall off. It actually it was kind of like uh, if you had a balloon in your hand and you let go and it goes around the room. <laughs> it was like that the engine did a couple of loops and then exploded. Yeah, that was a bug, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep that in there. That looks good. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looked Sometimes very bugs intentional. Are awesome. Yeah, I looked at that, and I was just like, damn, that's cool. How do you do that? Well, now we know. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bug. I, I didn't fix the thing that stopped it from happening. Happy accidents. Totally, totally good. <laughs> yeah, but I like the stuff on the planets, though, whenever you land there, because it's not a thing where it's it's like, okay, drive the rover around and you know pick up the stuff, and you know you got to find. Because I don't, I don't see a point to that in, in uh, uh, star control is just like, okay, well I'm not really in any danger down here. I'm going to just pick this stuff up. Cause it's, it's more of you make an interesting captain's choice. It's like, do you want to risk your crew's lives or not for the risk reward of, you know, do, do we send the guy through that portal and see what happens? You know, we could get some science out of it. He might die. Um, and I don't know if that stuff's randomized at all, or that's just a set deal. Um, but I, I think I would actually randomize it so there is some risk to it, not just like the player remembers, like, oh, yeah, if I see that puzzle, it's always safe. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good suggestion. Currently, it's usually random range, so it might be that you get lucky and nobody dies. Mm. Um, but usually it's like it, it's usually like zero to two crew. One thing that yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on is, is ways to make it feel like... Um, 
a little bit of a cost to losing a crew as opposed, you know, it's not just, I mean, currently there's kind of the, you, if you need more crew, you have to go back to the station and your, your repair is a little bit slower mm. uh, if you're short on crew. But I'm also trying to think of ways that just sort of the the player feels a little bit of, um, not necessarily, you know, like red shirt level loss, like not like, right. not like Spock loss, but red shirt loss, you know, just like, oh, I, I kind of would have preferred not to lose anybody. Yeah. Well, depending on how much crew you can have in your ship, um, let's say it's like a crew per block plus a few extra. Right. So if I got a 16 block ship and I'm down to 12 crew, then I got four blocks that aren't going to do anything Mm. because there's nobody there or or those would perform at like under. I don't know. I I don't want it to turn into like a worker management thing either. Yeah, I'm not, you, I'm not, you zoom in and like say this guy's going to stand in this room now. But yeah, I but I I do like that. There's other things going on. I mean, this is this is a Star Trek ass game, right? Is a lot of these games are just straight combat stuff, or hey, I, I made a like a block based physics game yeah. that you shoot and knock pieces off and, and those are fun right but I th- what I see going on here more so than that that's like secondary to me to me it's more like a Starflight kind of deal where it's just like I'm cruising around I'm talking to aliens I'm trying to solve some puzzles yeah, figure out where things are it's like and, the first and that whole part, like yeah. it's like the first part yeah, of the next generation ep- it's, sorry it's like the first part of a next generation episode where they're cataloging gaseous anomalies. Let's go out there and find stuff. And then all of a sudden, stuff hits the fan. <laughs> and that's what it reminded me yeah. of, anyway. And and I, I, would, I would empower the player to make some poor political choices, too. Like, if you know, if you just open fire on the, the wrong people, then they're not going to like you. <laughs> you, might, you might have to, like, earn that back or something. Like, the you know, you see the... the uh, lizard guys, the Saurians or whatever they're called. And uh, what happens if I just open fire on them? You know, they, you, you can't war? aggro them. Yeah, you can't aggro them and they will, uh, they will, they're, they're pretty tough. They will, they'll cut you up right now. It's set so that it's really kind of like, they are the intro to like, Oh, there are also good aliens. So it's sort of like right. the player has to work to piss them off. Mm-hmm. And um, there's kind of two kinds of disposition for the aliens. There is static disposition, which is affected by your choices. So like if you rescue, if you return their crew, like, so if you go on that mission and and rescue their crew and bring them back, that'll give you a permanent plus X to their disposition towards you. And then there's dynamic disposition where it's like, if you wing them in a fight, uh, they'll, they might dislike like, you for a little bit, a little bit but it'll go back to normal if you don't shoot them anymore. Right. Exactly. And that's, and that's tactical too. Cause so I don't know if, if you ever encounter this, but you can like get like the Chittick, if you can get the Chittick to wing the, uh, the Aluquo, um, a couple times, the Aluquo will just clear them out of the system. They'll just like, all right, enough of you guys. So that's, and I think that's kind of a, a fun thing too. Is I got the them to friendly, the so they helped me out in battle. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was cool. That's the trader guys, right? Yeah. The trader the guys. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the I, I did stuff for them and it made them happy. So when I got attacked, they just jumped in and fired. And nice. It's just yeah, it was very nice. <laughs> they're they're a little they're a little op, but it's kind of hard to like. They they only show up occasionally, so I'm not too worried about them. You know, throwing the game out of out of ballots. Yeah, well, I was it could pretty be. powerful on my own, but still, it was just nice that they were there for the extra firepower. Yeah, and it's it's a thing too of like if I do kill one of those guys, 
and and it should be a thing that I probably shouldn't be able to do. Like I would, I would make them scary and OP, like don't dare, you know, <laughs> don't dare to deal with these guys. Like maybe they hit right. you up with a tractor beam and just pick you apart. But <laughs> if, if you manage to knock a piece off of them, they're like a loot pinata, right? Cause it's a merchant ship. It's got all that cargo. Right. That's a good idea. So, so there's a hell of a temptation to to do that. But then again, you're going to anger all the traders, and then you're not going to maybe uh, whether they trade with you or not, or you just get like crappy prices or what. You know, I mean, I guess it depends. Or on maybe they're calling bounty hunters on you. Yeah, that too. Their their pricing is uh, disposition dependent. So if they are if they don't like you, you're going to get you are going to get crappy prices. Um, I do like the idea of sort of it being a player choice, being like the Aluko have something really awesome. So that if you do kill one, you're going to get maybe like a, a tech or a research thing that you otherwise wouldn't get. Um, but then they're going to be super pissed off at you until that like long period of time until they forget. Cause they've got long memories. Yeah. Well, those okay, guys like would that. be good. Those guys would be good. Like neutral quest givers too. Yeah. They'd just be like, you know, Hey, w- we like artifacts. So if you find any cool artifacts, yeah, make sure to bring them to us because we'll trade you something nice for them, right? And they might give you a hint like, hey, you know, we heard there was something over here, but then that happens to be guarded by something kind of nasty or, or whatever. And I, I do hope for space monsters at some point. That would be very cool. Not too many, but scary ones. A few. And not space squids because, you know, that's been done before. Yeah, no no <laughs> shrimp, no nothing pink in space. That's... <laughs> we've got a, a thing. Well, one of the games that Brian really loves is jump gate and all the enemies that you fight are pink space shrimp. And then uh, there is another game. A guy made a bunch of pink space shrimp and I was just like, Oh my God, no, no more, no more space shrimp. Yeah. I thought what game do you think does? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, I thought you were going to bring up star hammer, not jump gate. What, what were you going to ask? Yeah. Star hammer too. Well, I was going to ask like, what's an example of uh like what? I, I don't recall having played a game where there were like good space monsters. I, like, do you mean monsters that are actually literally out out in space? Like, yeah, like some tentacled horror. Yeah, that there aren't is a, out there. There aren't a lot of space games that depict actual like indigenous space life. You know what I mean? Like the two we mentioned, and maybe what Distant Worlds I think does it. Well, they, they there's do also it. Shortest Trip to Earth, which has. Oh, that's right. Uh, it has space fauna in it, and you can encounter them and listen to their song, and then that gives you uh, a fate point, which you can spend in a future run to get more stuff to start off that run. Um, or you can just hunt them because, you know, you, well, yeah, that's an option too. <laughs> well, okay, so the like in Dungeons & Dragons, the mimic, right? It's a treasure right. chest, and then uh, it tries to eat you. Well, you could have a derelict. And you get too close, and then it explodes into tentacles and tries to like lasso your ship and drag you into the you know to the toothy maw that well I, it was a derelict, but it's a bit infested. Or uh, if you went like you have those um, those asteroid fields you go in and mine. Well, maybe there's one. Those aren't really asteroids; those are kind of eggs. And when you start popping them, then things come big, out and attach. Well, not right. even, not even. Well, you know, if I guess if you if you kill enough of eggs. the little it could ones, be eggs where like, uh, yeah, it could be like something where you pop one and then like some nasty little thing comes down and attaches to your ship. That'd yeah, be cool. yeah, I like that. Yeah, idea. and and I was thinking, well, the way because those things are usually like orbiting a star or something, and you take damage if you get too close to the star, or do you have to actually bump it and then you're just insta killed? Uh, currently, there's no star damage except for the pulsar. 
Um, but okay, I have been, yeah. have been thinking I, about adding damage to the pulse to the uh, regular stars. Okay, so let's say that the other stars do a little bit of damage, right? And like the closer you get, the worse it gets. So you could scorch up so- the side of your ship that's facing it. Mm-hmm. But if you get those little those little parasites stuck on your ship, that's the way oh, to get rid of them. them Dra- off. Yeah, just drive we'll through the corona off. of the sun, like burn bar- them off. You're like going to take a little damage. Yeah, like space barnacles. Yeah. Actually, I I would like to see crew die from radiation damage if you spend too much time next to a star, because you know that that would oh that it neat. doesn't necessarily have to damage the ship per se, but you can start having crew die off because yeah, maybe but maybe that's a another tech is because you get the hazardous landing technologies and stuff. Right. Well, maybe coming with that or as a separate thing, you also get the ability to be a little closer to certain kinds of stars without. You know, because you could have a planet that just approaching the damn thing, you know, it's it's in some kind of a nasty field and you're going to just get crew that kind of die. Um, yeah, it makes know, a lot so. of sense because like the, uh, the, the current star system, which where you need the the Envirotech to land has that sort of pre like near supernova star. And so it's, it has this sort of hot theme. And I, I the only thing keeping me right now from having adding star damage is that first I have to add to the AI sort of an aware uh, sort of awareness like all right steer away like because it doesn't look good if the enemy just kills themselves they have to have some negative penalty for it like they can occasionally damage themselves but you want to make sure that like just while they're patrolling the system they're they're smart enough not to go into the sun yeah yeah and speaking of the suns and the planets more more so the planets than anything those planets are gorgeous thank like, you. Are, are you drawing those or did you get them somewhere? Or what? Uh, it's actually this, this, it took quite a lot of work. It's actually a shader that I created that uh, for most of the planets. Um, and I don't know if this is like too technically boring for your listeners, but um, no, we love technical uses, stuff. Just okay. Go, all right. Just so go. basically, yeah. So for most of the planets, what it is, is there's uh, there'll be sort of a prototype planet and that prototype planet will define several textures and uh, a spectrum for each texture and then do a seed. And then it will do a, a diamond square algorithm to create this kind of heat map. And then using that heat map, it will blend the three textures together in sort of like a high terrain, low terrain, mid terrain. And then for each one of those terrain levels, it'll say, all right, shift the color in this spectrum range. And then for the terrestrial planets, then do another uh, water pass or or water level. Like a cloud layer or something. Yeah. The clouds are kind of like a uh, visibility variation on, on two different textures. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's sort of like maybe there's like a dozen prototype stars or sorry, star, not stars, planets. And then I just a seed number will, will vary them each individual one massively. Oh, cool. look great. They really do. Thanks. And speaking of speaking of clouds, yeah, some nebula stuff in there would be cool. Um, like, I I don't know if it something that's that you're basically blind in there. You know, it, it kills your sensors down to a really small radius, and then you yeah. have to actually the ne- hunt the nebulas, around. The nebulas do that. They they really they really nerf your yeah yeah they, they do they nerf your movement. Yeah, I've noticed that. They they also nerf your uh, visibility. Like they cut it down. Like the um, it varies by uh, distance to the center, but it's it's almost by a factor of like four or more when you're when you're close to the center. One of those. Oh, cool! 
right. But so, they don't they don't inflict any damage or anything though, right? It's just a not other thing. than the one with the the lightning that 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 one okay. does. But the other I must have avoided that one successfully because I. <laughs> Yeah, I really like the nebulas. I did want to ask something. It's a small thing I noticed, but your little, like when you send the, your little rover down, when you discover an anomaly, does mm-hmm. it fly a little bit faster than your ship? So even if you start moving, it'll just always catch up with you no matter what? Yeah, yeah. That was just kind of like, I didn't want to make people have to wait. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's so I, awesome. I found that out the the nice way. Is I, I started moving away from a planet because I was trying to evade someone who was shooting at me. And my rover did actually catch up. So, yeah, that was a very nice touch. Yeah, it's, but it's a good quality of life thing. Yeah, so it, it would be interesting, though, if that, if that rover is damageable. And if it happens to get shot because oh. you're screwing around and there was enemies around, you know, you lose like four or five crew, just pop. So maybe you wouldn't want to just trail it behind you while it tries to catch up. If you're or maybe fire. it just wouldn't take off until you clear all the enemies. I think that would be better because it'd be so annoying to lose that rover. Like so yeah. annoying. Well, you get another rover, but you know you would lose. It's it's you'd the risk. Fl- yeah, you'd thing have to fly all the way back. Stealthy. Though you'd have to fly yeah. all the way back, and I don't know. This game does such I, a I good job of not being annoying. Hit. Sorry, go ahead. I, I think that it getting hit. And just having a loss of crew from it getting hit is enough of a penalty right there. Yeah. Because losing three or four crew just because it gets shot, you can send it back down again. You don't have to head back to your station and repair it. But losing three or four crew is probably going to stop you if you only have maybe 12 at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, I can see missions, too, where let's say there's a derelict. Or something in space, right? A you know a station that you that you find and it's abandoned, and you send crew over there, and then it's going to take them like there's a timer, right? It's going to take us this long, and then enemies show up, and then you have to defend that for long enough for them to get stuff done, mm-hmm. or you could or you could, you know you could hit the button and just say get out, right? But it almost like a um, like a wave defense thing could get built into there because it's like okay, some cheap enemies show up. And you kill them, and then the next wave comes, and they're a little tougher, and and it's up. It's a risk reward thing again, kind of like that tower mission, right? Where it's like, okay, the tower's a little unstable. You know, which room right. do you want to check? And then you're right. looting the tower to the point where it's just like, okay, do I want to press my luck and try to get like one more thing out of here? So it could be a thing like that, but there's actually you know stronger and stronger enemies that come or the space monsters or something, right? Right. So like the yeah. action version of the tower where you're actually like, rather than just making choices, you're actually having to fight something. Right. And it's just like, how long do I want to try to risk this? And it's not necessarily, can I protect my own ship, but can I keep that station from getting damaged? Cause if the station takes a beat and then the crew inside could die. And I, so I could lose dudes right there. Um, and then I could just hit a recall button and just say, all right, get out. You know, and then they come. And they'll right leave back. with whatever they have, and that's maybe determining your reward level for that right. defense of it. So maybe if you can manage to hold out long enough, they can get everything, or you can right. lose all the crew with everyone inside. It's all or nothing. Yeah, that was yeah. a little bit the tower mission. Like you can, right. if you right. if you press your luck on the tower mission, you get the research points because they the idea is that they they beamed that back to you, but but any any resources. Uh, you lose. Yeah. I mean, the the math that I would do with it is the amount of time that you're there per crewman that's there. 
right? And maybe you make a choice. How many people do I send? Right. So it's how many people are in there times how many minutes have I been there is how many units of whatever loot they get out with. But if people get killed while they're in there, then that's that many people that can't carry stuff. So it's reduced by that multiple. Mm. And then there's the other factor, which is as you're taking damage and losing crew on the ship, your repairability, your ability to, to mitigate that damage and get your modules back up and running, that's reduced too. Right. So there's definitely a risk reward in that idea. Yeah. I mean, it, it would just, it would take a little doing to figure out right what the exactly right ratio is. But the nice thing is if you do get like a wave based thing going in there, um, that actually could be like a simulation thing. You know, it's like, Hey, I upgraded my ship. All right. I want to see how this does, you know, like, right. Or, yeah. or even just outside the game, right. Would, would just be like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to build this ship and then let's just see how long I can last against this for score or something. Right. You know, just, but yeah, that's a topic that's come up with the, on the discord is just sort of what besides, so, you know, obviously I'm focusing on, on content for the, the early access, but uh, once it's in early, in early access, you know, the, the players are sort of, it's, it's kind of a currently not, a, not, a, not a super long game. There's a lot of content in it, but it's, you know, you can complete it all in like four, four or five hours or so. And, you know, at my, rate of progress, you know, it takes me about 60 hours of development. If I'm focusing purely on content to produce an hour of content in the game and to try to figure out what, what are some ways to, uh, to give players who finished the game something to do so that there's still like value in it until the, the final game is finished. Um, one of the ideas that that's come up is, is to spend some time um, on modding tools so people can create their own, mini scenarios now it's going to take a while to be really a full like you're not gonna be able to create the whole game with with the initial modding tools but you know just be able to like design a few sectors create your own planets use the planet shuffle button to like see what kind of pretty planets you can create and then load them up with enemies drop like oh let's see if i put in three hives and a you know a sentinel what kind of ship can beat that um Mm. that wouldn't be like an enormous uh challenge and, and and I think might be something that people enjoy. So that's that's something that we're I'm talking about with the with the community. Yeah. I, I I'll I'll take this offline with you about that because I've got a pretty strong idea about how you could do that. Just awesome. to make your own life easier as you make content for the thing because rather rather than have to script individual encounters and stuff, then there there's a system that you could kind of use that it's like the old X Wing TIE fighter kind of mission making thing. And it's it's basically a condition based thing. You know, it's like the ship spawns, its goal is that, and it departs whenever condition. You cool. know, but it but it was all drop down stuff and I, I can show you the the program. It'll give you some ideas. Yeah. I like the awesome. I like the whole deal where uh you if you make it really easy to just add content in you know, quests or, or the whatever. Um, and, and like had an editor where you can build solar systems and stuff. You could probably stamp out content way faster, but it would, it would be the initial investment of creating the tool, which might take about as long as making the game. So, you know, that the, the amount of content you're going to put in, I guess, determines like how much time you want to waste on that. 
Yeah, I think you're right, but I also think that uh, because of some early decisions I made, that it might not be as big as as if I had made different decisions. Like I am able to right now. I have to create all the sectors in Unity and all the missions using a a, a node editor that I created. But some of these. It would be a lot of work to move to a, a standalone editor, but possibly to the point of justifying it, even for my own development, you know, just mm. shortening my development cycle. Yeah, because I, I think it's like that. that's where I think a lot of people get burnt out, right, is they get the basic the engine figured out. And then it's just like, oh, God, now I got to make like 20 hours of content in this thing. And, and you know, like how how much stuff can be hand created and yet still have a lot of variety and, and that, or you end up with the other side of the indie coin where it's like, this is all RNGs. You know, the entire game is just procedural. And then people are like, well, where's the narrative that it doesn't put a carrot on a stick unless you just make it like a Diablo style loot grind, right. which isn't good either. Um, I, I do think if you, if you wanted to put like a, a side thing in this, um, this would make a hell of a, uh, just a banging asteroids game. You know, if it was, if it was an arcade <laughs> thing where you just throw some enemies in and you got some big asteroids and they break into little asteroids. And if they hit you, you die. Well, it'd bust pieces off your ship. Right. So it would, it would be like, okay, you have this many points to spend on techs and, and like resources for the ship. Right. So, or, or even tech could do it. Like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I spend the down the tech tree to where I have a 16 brick ship or a 12. And if I only buy the 12 piece ship, then I have stuff to spend on missiles or something. Um, so you'd, you'd have to find like the right number for people. But it's basically like you start with a pool of research points, blow that in the tech tree, and then build the best thing you can out of it, and then try to survive the gauntlet thing. And, uh, you know, and just, just make it like an endless asteroids thing, kill all the asteroids, you get score, more enemies show up. It almost like the wave base thing that I was saying. So I guess if if you build that mission, then this is just an extension of that and half the work's already done. Um, but I I think, you know, to, to throw some value in there of, well, first off, if people want to kind of understand what the techs do before, I, I don't know if you want to do that or not, though, because part of the fun is the discovery, right? It's like, I wonder what that does. Well, I'm going to have to blow some points and find out, at least on the first playthrough. So maybe you'd make the people play it a while, or maybe you can only use text that you've actually unlocked in in the main story. Right. And then you can use them in the arcade thing and, and force people to kind of like, okay, you got to discover this organically, and then you can play with it in the playground. So this would be sort of like a uh, in sort of outside of the campaign mode, having like a, a survival wave mode. Yeah. Maybe you could just be accessed from the main menu as a, you know, this is the yeah, mode you want to play yeah, in. Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, if you want to f- make fake wireframe graphics instead of the, the nice, pretty detailed ship stuff, cause I, I kind of like that radar map that you got. Um, but if you just did the whole thing in, in like those bright pastel, like uh, wireframe things, mm-hmm. I don't know how hard that would do, how the hard that would be to do to just, outline your your existing stuff with that and then kind of make it invisible so it would just look like a wireframe or something um some kind of shader might do it but anyway yeah so it'd basically be like okay i got my neon pink wireframe ship and i'm shooting you know like glowy bullets and stuff it'd it'd look like a like a a sick miami vice video game or something (laughs) something but 
yeah i mean it's just like i i really like that the the kind of retro look of the map even though it's like clean and and the icons are really good and stuff but like the color scheme is is kind of like a retro 80s festival going on and i like that um so yeah it, it, i don't know you you could make something pretty dope in there but it would be just like a for funsies thing and like well okay i beat the game what do i do depends on how much random you throw in there right whether it's it's super replayable or not um but hey there's always this other thing so you know online leaderboard or whatever you want to do with that maybe they could maybe you could make it like a sector jumping thing like we were talking about earlier like you jump to a system and it's one planet and you have an adventure there and whatever happens determines where you go next and then you jump to the next one and you have another adventure there and yeah, it's kind of FTLish, right? A little FTLish, like a little FTLish with real time combat in the systems. So yeah, that could be like another. Well, you, well, yeah, like once the whole game's built, like if you wanted to put like a oh, and here's the roguelike DLC for you know like five bucks more, you can now play it as a roguelike or something. I don't know, but yeah, get get this done first, and then and then we'll worry about that. But. You know, I'm just I'm. I try to think of like once you've got the effort in to develop a lot of stuff, and you've got all the assets and the systems that work nice together. Like, what else can you do with that without a ton of effort? You know, it's like I don't, I don't want to make a whole nother game, but I could add like a whole nother game's worth of stuff in here for very cheap. So, yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any plans for any kind of post release? Uh, expansions or DLC or anything like that? Or we, is that way too far ahead for you to even think about right now? Uh, I think it's still pretty far ahead because I'm, I'm expecting a fairly long early access period. Because oh, okay. I, I kind of have a very, I mean, it's going to obviously depend on how successful it is, but uh, you know, that I have a lot of story and content that I want to, I want to be able to tell. Um, but uh, I, I certainly, you know, considering the possibility of having like a DLC as like, you know, uh, you know, added content. But um, I definitely think that there's a lot of life that can be added to the game by giving modders tools to like, you know, initially just play with creating pretty star systems and then pretty star systems with enemies and then enemies that have missions and then create your own anomalies. And then, you know, each one of these things takes a bit of work, but uh, the more that you add, then people will be able to use like the, the, um, I forget what the Steamworks uh, workshop. Steamworks. 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 Yeah. Uh, share their stuff, you know, cause like uh, looking at the successful uh, indie games in this space, you know, modding is a very, is, is sort of a frequent um yeah theme between this, like uh I, I, of, I don't know how you say it avorion is that am I, yeah yeah, I'm saying. Avorian, yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah i know that that's gotten like huge life out of the fact that it's it's got support from from the modding community yeah well you know speaking of that so in uh if if i took a ship design right and i don't know how how big do you plan on these ships getting Current, was it like 32 blocks or something was the biggest uh, one i think it was like the galaxy uh i don't know if the tech is limited you can get up to six i, I like in dev mode i've i've played with ones that are 60 to 70 oh okay. my god that's sizable <laughs> that's big um so what i was thinking though is if you um if you had the ability to like i designed a ship and then uploaded it 
right? Oh, and definitely. I don't. Is it is it within your scope to color the blocks and stuff too? Like if I build a ship, then I can color the individual things. Potentially, that's kind of a little bit of a. I don't what the, the early access equivalent of stretch goal is, but yeah. So I struggled for a long time on the modules. Look, I think they look okay. I think they look maybe even good because like you don't see them very large. They're, they're pretty small right. on the screen. So they look pretty good. Sometimes they look only okay. I think if you're in the shipyard um, and I wanted to outsource, I, I, I tried a couple different designers to try and nobody was able to really deliver something that I felt felt worked. But um, I would like to come back to it and maybe even do something where there's a custom shader where you sort of have, you know, maybe like 50 core module models and then Mm. a shader for each that knows like, okay, this is a Starcom ship. Here's the shader we want to use. This is a sort of this one. Because I was just thinking like, do I want to make it red, blue, gray, green, you know, on a per block basis, if that's a thing that's easily done, because then you just tint the thing that's already there. Um, right. But that way I could, I could make a ship. I could color it, you know, put some strange design to it. So it looks interesting, upload that. But then other people, whenever they're making missions could actually download my ship and plug that in as NPC ships. in their yeah. Missions, yeah. You know? I think so you can make your own enemies doable. If I, uh, went the distance and create like sort of a shader where you could customize the colors. Um, Yeah. Even without that though, it it would be a thing that would be really nice. Like I can make my own enemies in here and that way, um, you know, it's like you have a palette of, you know, however many enemies that are in the thing. But if I wanted to make my own stuff and stick it in there and just like, oh, okay, definitely, run, 100%. run through my system and see if you can survive to the end of this. Yeah. The enemies in the game, I make those using like I, in the state, the station shipyard, there's like a cheat code I put in and then I'm just designing a Chittick ship. So it's that oh, would be oh. definitely doable. Okay. Yeah. That's excellent. Cause you know, it's just the, the thing of like endless content from users. Right. 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 Because is, you know, is, this, is there a way to save blueprints at the moment or is that going to be added? There is not. That is def- That is like a definitely on the, on the, thank road God. Map. Thank God. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's be a way to save blueprints. Um, right now, it's more just kind of I need to figure out what the blueprints, the base blueprints are, but then you'll be able to save them. And I think that'll probably be one of the first things that you're able to share with other other users. And it might even be just before there's, uh, um, you know, the Steamworks integration, just like control C, control V type, you know, it'll give you the JSON for it. And then while you're in the shipyard, if you hit control V, it'll just oh, paste it in. Okay. Uh, that would be that would be cool too. <laughs> At least until you get. Well, I mean, that, that sounds like templates then, pretty much, because you could, in in a sense, have a, a series of templates to choose from based on the tech you've unlocked, and maybe you know, you're looking at the ship editor, and maybe on the left side you've you've got a list of those templates that you've already saved or some defaults that come in. You can select one of those if you have the tech already unlocked, and it'll just throw that down. And then you can either edit from there or just use it as is. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't sound too bad. Because <laughs> I was playing, I was like, I really like this design. What if it gets blown up? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about it is when you edit, you don't lose any resources by removing stuff. I really like yeah. that. I really like that. Yeah, I didn't want to. I felt like that was. Uh... I wanted the thing, you know, so I initially started with, you can blow things off of ships because that's fun. Cause like you, it's nice to 
have ships blow up like pinatas. But then I realized very quickly that it's not fun for your ship to blow up like a pinata because you lose that thing that you spent so long getting the resources for. And then it's just, it, it just didn't feel fun. So I just decided that one of the technologies that Starcom has that nobody else has figured out is how to keep your ship from breaking up. Oh, that's so you cool. can lose those pieces. You get back to the station and it's repaired back at full because, well, you've got that 3D printed technology <laughs> that nobody else has for some reason. <laughs> right. So, so there's a point that the module will get damaged to where it won't be able to be repaired in space. I'll have no, to take it back to uh, yeah, no, that, no, that doesn't happen. That, um, that was kind of an original uh, play test thing. But now it's, it's, it will get damaged to the point that it doesn't isn't doing anything, but if you have crew, they, while you're in space, they will fix it to a usable, usable point. It'll sort of be less on fire. And then <laughs> use it again. I did notice oh, that cool. there was research that would allow it to work. If it was 50% damage instead of, yes, you know, it, right. it changes the, the buffer at which it could still be fully functional, even if it's already damaged. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've probably noticed that like, if you're getting, once like this is sort of a balance problem in a lot of games that like once you start getting damaged then you're worse off and like you're you're going slower so now you can't escape easily and then it becomes this this sort of spiral of death and so i felt that in order to mitigate that a little bit having a tech where you can be like okay things get worse as i'm as i'm more on fire but they don't get that much worse it's sort of like the the uh a10 idea of having having triple redundancies in everything <laughs> yeah we do you only a, had oh. one set of redundancies. Now you have three. Right. Exactly. We have another question from uh, McKecht over at YouTube. I'm not sure. Okay. Does the game have the ability to add a ground game like some other DOS games? Like Alien Ruin type story? Don't you have that? I'm a little confused by the question. I, I, don't, I haven't played that game. I'm guessing that he's probably asking about sort of like more uh, planetary interaction like sort of like landing and actually having something beyond the uh the anomaly interactions and and, and i think that's probably not on the on the radar because i think um i think the variation in the anomalies that it, it, it skips over kind of the 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 awkward lander puzzles that we we were talking about um but if i'm thinking if i'm understanding the the question correctly it would be sort of adding some kind of uh, ground combat in between like the, you know, as sort of like a, a, a second type of mini game. Um, not currently on the, on the road. That's fair. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> cause, cause you yeah, wanna... cause part of it's, you know, I'm, I'm a single developer, you know, it's, it's, I have to, uh, decide what's what's reasonable scope and 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 not. Otherwise, you know, you start. I become the 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 star citizen of 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 top down space games. Yeah. So will will you be including uh, the ability to cook and fish in the game? Because I want a oh, fish. Yeah. Ta- I want a fish tank. I want a fish <laughs> tank. Procedural fried eggs. Uh, there's been about five million dollars. I also fully expect. Eggs. I also fully expect face tracking. I have to have right. face tracking. Ugh. Sorry. I mean, the nice things about the anomalies is that I could actually. Yep, there's a fishing mini game. You go, to, go to the go to the thing and and choose to fish or not fish. That is the <laughs> question. 
Oh man. <laughs> no, it's dude, it's just the the fried egg in Star Citizen just blows my mind. I, I have they, not heard about this. They, what is this? Oh, there's uh, ice yeah, now. They, they Did you hear about they pre- Go ahead. No, Oh yeah, I saw that where he's got the drink and it's like procedurally uh, generated ice. Around. Oh god. Yeah. No, they they put in a cooking thing. It was uh, in the early spring. They showed it off, and and they were like, "Oh well, here's here's how you make pork and beans, right?" And here's like a bunch of different varieties of that. And the they were showing it in the software, uh, like how it actually creates it, right? So that so it's like, well, here's ten different fried eggs. Like it's different every time. Isn't that what? amazing? And yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. And I'll send I, I'll send you a link. That's why I totally. That, that's cry. why I totally. But that's why I bought into Star Citizen back in 2012, so I could be a <laughs> fucking line cook on a goddamn space station. That's that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> hey, you got to earn that ship somehow. I mean, I really want to see that game. Like, yeah. I really want to play it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I worry that they that they are that they need to focus. They need to say like this is this is in scope and this is. This is what yeah, people about, really want. About four years ago, that would have been a good idea. And uh, so, well, one of the things that came up in CitizenCon, they were talking about how the last 18 months, they've done this massive recode of the game. <laughs> because, it, no, like, seriously, they had to go back and, like, rewrite a giant amount of the game. Because what happened was the the game would load. And people were talking about, like, the terrible performance and the giant load times and stuff. And if you had, like... Excuse me. If you had like a giant pile of RAM, then you could play it. But if you didn't, well, what was going on is it was loading all the assets in the game into RAM. So, like every everything that was anywhere in the game, <laughs> the entire could possibly be seen, had to get loaded in. Yeah, and then it, it all like cashed out into into um, like page file or something, I guess. So yeah, it, it was just like an incredibly long load process because it loaded every asset and then you could play the game. And so they went back and they said, okay, well we need to chunk this so that it's only loading what's applicable to your current locale. And that apparently took 18 months to, to go back and make it chunk things instead of just load everything wow yeah it's so. it's we're we're uh we're very a lot of us are disillu- really disillusioned with that whole thing and you're absolutely right there's no focus uh but the problem is they're being rewarded for this lack of focus like citizen con brought them in almost a million dollars i mean know? i i could understand the i mean i understand the 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 dream that like wanting i mean i you know you see it you see like the the video demos and i i i get excited you know it looks it looks really cool, and I still think that they could, they can, um, scope it down and 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 deliver a really fantastic space game. And they can even include some of the the ground stuff as well. But I I do think they need to decide what's important for for their players. Um, and I I haven't been following it that closely like the last. I, yeah, I didn't don't. see the just don't. Okay. You're just going to be disappointed. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, kind of a, a question uh, that's along those lines. You said you're a solo developer. You're, um, yep. How do you maintain focus and motivation when it's just you? Like, I'm sure there are days where you're like, I don't want to do this. Uh, so how do you like main, How do you keep pushing forward? Um, it's it's I guess practice. Uh, it's just. Every day I feel like, so one, I, I have a, you know, task tracking system that 
measures velocity. And so like, if I'm slacking for a week, it like, I, I can see it. It shows me like, Oh, oh really? Yeah. What is, what is that? Oh, that sounds it's fascinating. A uh, pivotal tracker. And so it oh. like monitors average velocity. And so like when I'm, you know, every day, like, you know, it's not doing on a daily basis, but like it does it on sort of sprints. Um, but so like every day I get up and I say like, okay, what, you know, what needs to be done for the next milestone? And I have, and I, and I have these all sort of prioritized. And if I really don't have the motivation to do one of like a particular thing, I still have to work. I still have to do something like, even if it's reaching out to, to, you know, um, maybe like media or maybe it's, I, I can always create an anomaly. I love, it's so fun to create an anomaly favorite thing um so like if i'm totally not motivated to do anything else i can be like all right i'm gonna open up view create a pretty picture and then write something to describe what happens with that one but i just basically make myself uh just work um even if i'm not motivated to so it's it, it's it is hard sometimes but uh uh there's not someone there making me work so i kind of i kind of have to do it myself this this pivotal tracker thing looks kind of fascinating yeah, the neat thing is I can go back and look and I a few like a month ago I like catal- like it has the entire record of everything I've done since I even started like literally the second entry I let me see if I can find it. Uh, the first entry I think is like download Unity and the second one is Unity Space Tutorial. Oh and wow. So, um and I should let me let me back up a little bit. I did say like I'm a solo developer but I want to give shout outs to um I have a couple of of contractors that have done some great work. Um, Hardy Fowler did the the character art, um, which I think is fantastic. And uh, Moritz Sebastian is a German composer who's done the music for it. So I don't don't want to claim all the credit because because uh, there are some other talented people that have have work in the game. Right, like a lot of people, even when they're solo developers, they have people that get that help them with art, um, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but it's still like, even when you're doing a thing you love, it's, it's hard to sometimes find. Oh, it is so hard. Yeah. Like sometimes with, with space game junkie, I just want, I'll just be like, nope, I'm taking a week off. I I had a break, you know, even if you love it. That reminds me of a question I wanted to, to throw at you. Um, when you, how, when did you start, uh, the podcast? The site we start, I well, so the site started in 2011, and then the podcast was 2013. Yeah, uh, I think February 2013 is when we started the podcast. And were you super nervous, like when you were doing your first podcast? Hell like, yes. Okay. Oh my god, he yes. He wasn't bad on the first one. It was the second one. That's the one. No, it was the, we had it was the fourth. That was the, was the fourth, fourth one. one. That was the fourth yeah. one. And I had a coughing fit. I could barely talk. And and I I, and I I couldn't mute my mic. I don't remember. I, for some reason, I couldn't mute the mic. Um, so I had to, like, take my headphones off and put them on the other side of the room and cover the mic with my hand <laughs> <laughs> every time I cough, yeah. which was, like, every 30 seconds. That was a rough podcast. Yeah, but, it, but it was like, we you know, we had an indie dev on and then out of nowhere, Chris Roberts. Wow, that's kind of big. And it was like, don't, we'll never have him on yeah, again. I, don't worry, we will never. Have well, I would, I would absolutely have him on, oh, but no, I don't think, no. I don't think his handlers allow him no. to speak 
anyway. No, problem, so. if, if they're smart. <laughs> if they're, yeah. By, yeah, by the way, I sent you a PM that's got seven seconds of a million dollar fried egg. Oh, nice. Got that. But uh, yeah, we've been doing this for a little, uh, a bit over, God, it's going to be six years soon, huh? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. You've, I mean, you've been doing a lot. I mean, what are you, 250, 260 now? Yeah, this is 265. Wow. This Congratulations. And you. I know I, I, the reason I wanted to ask that question is it's just, can be so scary to put something out there to just oh, it's terrifying. Make, your, make make yourself vulnerable and just oh, show it's people terrifying. like okay. yeah, it's utterly terrifying to not only be creative, but and I don't feel like I'm very creative with this. This is like this is this is the easiest type of creativity. We're you're making a you're making a game. We are asking you about the thing you're you are making. We are not. As somebody who's afraid of public speaking, like your job sounds so intimidating to me. Just like having someone different on every week and having to to talk oh, to them and 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 it's and, it's and still kind of audience. It's still ner- it's still nerve wracking. It's still terrifying. Like when we had uh, when we had Greg Johnson on just a few weeks ago, I was I was so terrified the well, whole time. Uh, it was a, that was a great show. I mean, you certainly didn't sound uh, nervous, and it was a really there's a lot of really interesting stuff in that. I, I mentioned while we were in the green room, uh, lovely green room, by the way. Uh, that Thank you. Like I hope a, I hope you enjoyed all the brown M and M's. Yeah, just we were, yeah, we, yeah, we, we just, made sure that we only had brown. <laughs> right, that was on your rider. So we made couch sure. is really nice. <laughs> um, the, the secret is that you have to cultivate an awareness of quality while simultaneously learning the art of not giving a shit, <laughs> and then it frees you, but you still make a good thing. Yeah, it was maybe it's, it's it's great. Um, like the first half of that uh, that Starflight, I learned a lot of stuff because I don't know I I don't even know if we talked about this, but uh, um, you know, kind of the core inspiration for the the Flash game, and now of course this was was Starflight, you know, which I played as a kid and uh, kind of have always wanted to make a game in that vein, just where. You're Captain Kirk or Picard or Janeway or Adama or whoever. You're just out there exploring space and discovering new interesting things. And and that was, you know, a game that and you know, Star Control 2 as well. I didn't play as much of that one, but those two games kind of have been something that have been so rare to to see uh even in the decades since that I was just like, that's what that's what the what the the brass ring is to me. I th- I think they're hard to do well. Like there there were some attempts, you know. Like there was Protostar and there was a few others, and it's it's tough to do well. And, and if you don't do it well, you're easily forgotten, and rightly so, yeah. I think. Or or remembered for being terrible. Yeah, which is the other way it goes. Like the game we brought up earlier, which I don't want to mention again because we've already thrown enough shade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it it is I don't care if people remember me for being great or being terrible as long as they remember me. <laughs> right? It's fair. <laughs> and that's why my game will be coming out on Steam shortly. Oh no. So, what is it? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I, I just need to find some assets and flip them and then put a cool name on gonna, it. Going to buy a $30 thing in the Unity store, change a few colors. <laughs> put it on. Put it on. Make some it JSON for, scripting to uh, to make some eggs and yeah. procedurally generate them. Sell it for a dollar. Then if you sell thirty copies, you made your money back. 
Yeah, I'll call it eggs versus zombies because there's enough zombie assets. Yeah, zombies is uh, the enemy du jour. Yeah, well, zombies are easy, right? Because first off, you don't offend anybody shooting zombies. That's true. Because there, there's no everyone likes shooting zombies. That will come everyone up about that. Yeah, and also your AI doesn't have to be too good because all they do is just kind of shamble directly toward oh. you. Oh, oh, so, dude, dude. One know. one speed came up with it. Flipping some eggs on Steam, a virtual reality egg cooking flipping game. There you, you go. Can call it egg egg asset flipper, and oh. <laughs> the eggs. Oh egg, yes, egg this citizen. This game has written itself. Egg citizen. The, there you go. The chef, the chef is a zombie. <laughs> Space station line cook. There you go. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a game where you're just a, you're just a chef in a diner on a space station. That's your only job, and you get to see all these ships come in and out while you make them food. That's but only if it's the one in Spaceballs. <laughs> see, this reminds me. This reminds me of the game that shouldn't have been good and yet was amazing. What's up? Is conflicts, where the game about space chickens, where it's it's basically like flicking spaceships. Yeah, that yeah, game was great. Except stretch it back. It, it it's like the idea is so stupid that it was masterful. I found it got tedious after a while because you had to do you you couldn't like group maneuver, you had to like move every individual, and that got tedious after a while for me. Yeah, but whenever it got harder because you had to do it in real time. Yeah. Right? So as I remember, so there there was a lot of click and flick stuff that was going. Yeah, you could call yeah. it a click and flick adventure. <laughs> Booger space, a click and flick. Adventure. Oh my god! Anyway, anyway, so so uh, let's let's rewind a little bit. So this is not the first StarCon game. We we really haven't talked about the history. That's it's kind of a franchise now. So so let's go back to the beginning. You made you made a Flash game. Let's start there. Yeah. So this is um, two thousand eight or nine. Uh, well, I, st- I made it a flash game that was like a tower defense space game, and that uh was pretty popular. You know, it was it was fairly addictive. Um, and then I that kind of gave me the the experience and confidence to to go for something bigger. I wanted it's still at th- at that point I wanted to make a a space exploration, uh, you know, Star Trek simulator, but I felt like realistically uh, as a second game that was too ambitious. So I made something that was more of a a, a sort of an asteroids game with a plot with a light plot. I think it was probably like an hour or two long. Um, and it, uh, it, people liked it, you know, it's, uh, it got like a, a pretty big following. Um, you know, I, I would have people like email me like, you know, a, a year or two later being like, man, I, I love this game. I, are you going to work on something else? And I, I, one, one thought I had, you know, when I made it, I was like, oh, I should put in like a, this was like way before like social media or any, anything or, and, or even marketing was on my radar, but I was like, it would be interesting to see how many people play it. So I'll put a little call to a database, a little ping, a web page, and I'll get to know anytime start, anyone starts a new game. And it ended up with like millions of plays. Wow. And even now, yeah, even now, like, even though like I, I can't even run flash. Like my computer won't let me run flash. It, it gets like 10,000 new games a month. And what? I'll like look at the referrer codes and like, they're just all over the world. People like, and I'll find like, and I'll, then I'll Google it and I'll be like someone in, in like 
Russia has just discovered this game or like it, it's got like 500 plays last month from some website in China that I can't even read. Um, and I think it's people, it's, it's simple. It's, it's very similar to it's think it's like the simplest possible version of this game um, in flash, but it's like blowing up ships, getting a better, sh- getting, you know, the ability to upgrade your ship a little bit, jumping to another star system and upgrading that ship. And that, that resonate, I, I guess it resonated and people were like, I love that. That's the feeling of that. And then it was from that, that I was like, Oh, maybe there's a, a market for, for like a real product version as opposed to just like a, a web game. Um, and then, so in, in 2014, I, I decided to like add a, an email sign up form to the, to the flash game. And people said, yes, please, please make this game. And I, I started on it in Unity and I went through a couple iterations in like over like six months, but it just didn't gel. It was just the fun wasn't I wasn't finding the fun. And so I, I took a took a break from it for like a year and a half. And then um, about two years ago, I, I picked it up again. And after a few iterations, I was like, oh, OK, I think I figured out what the parts that weren't working are, what the core parts where the core mechanics that were fun are. And I started iterating over that, and then by um, I think midsummer of of this year, it was sort of like you know to the point where I was like, yes, this is this is coming together. I want to start showing it to people and doing doing closed betas. And uh, I, I probably should have started closed betas earlier just to make sure that I wasn't making any drastically bad design decisions. But uh, I, I guess I lucked out. The first round was like, yes, there are some things that were definitely not working, but the core was was good. People were like, yes, I like what you're doing with this. Please show me more. <sighs> that's that's quite a story, and it's great. I mean, that is really awesome. That I mean, that's amazing that people are still finding that flash game. It's I know it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I was like. What browser are you running? Yeah, like, what are they playing it on? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like you can potentially download older versions of browsers and stuff for compatibility reasons. Like, I do that sometimes. And you can can get Firefox to run Flash, but it, like, won't out of the bot. Like, if if you download it and go to a Flash page, it'll just show, I don't know, blank square or something. So it's just, it's got to be people who are, like, love Flash games and have just decided, like, I am going to keep backporting my my browser or keep, you know, doing whatever the hoops it needs to do because there's a huge number of flash games that are going to disappear forever in about uh 2 years because flash is going to be completely deprecated and yeah. there's like a million games out there that you know and a lot of them are really good there's a lot of really great designs uh, and games that uh uh we're sadly going to could lose to history we're not even going to have probably like you know, people won't even download the copies and will lose them. I would hope someone would, maybe someone needs to do that. If you're listening, start like a repository of flash games. Like you've seen what the internet archive has been doing, right? Yeah. They've got like all kinds of DOS and Amiga and Atari games and stuff all running through emulation. And yeah, and someone so- needs to like start working on the, the ROM emulator for flash, but the one that also doesn't run viruses. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be nice. Poor Flash. <laughs> poor, poor Flash. Well, that's a whole new market for GOG, right? It'll be like good old Flash games. Oh, jeez. 
I don't know if I would spend money on a, a potential virus. That's that's all. I'm sorry. That's all I think of now when I think of Flash. Is just what a what a vulnerable kind of mess it can be. I learned. I, yeah, I hate I, to. I hate to say it. I learned to hate Flash early because for SEO purposes, it's terrible. It oh, is, of course. It is the worst. And right. back when I started in SEO, everyone was using Flash for their websites because it was the thing. It was the interact. Ooh, it's all interactive and neat, and we don't JavaScript yes. doesn't exist yet or whatever. So it's, like, it's terrible for that. But one thing that was amazing for it is it was kind of a really a golden age for. Um, game design because it was a thing where you could come up with just an idea and have and have people all over the world try it out instantly. Like just if you can get them to go to web play page, they could play the game and get immediate fe- and you would get immediate feedback as to whether or not your design was good or not. And that's kind of like you know the only era in which and and it was like huge. People would play games all the time. Like there's a huge market for it, so you could very easily create a game. And and get like a million players, you know, even if you weren't a studio or anything. And I, I think that was fantastic for for game developers and people who wanted to learn design because you had this this resource and this way to access a huge audience. But it was it it, it has a lot of problems. Uh, guys, can you do something for me? Can you go try and go to YouTube? Because <laughs> I can't. Yeah, down. YouTube's down. Okay, uh, killed it. Mission wow. accomplished. All right. Wow. Well, uh, good job, everyone. Good job, everyone. We broke YouTube somehow. I don't know. Because, uh, yeah, someone in the chat, D-Man's like, what's going on with YouTube? I'm like, something's going on with YouTube? I've We've never seen... Have we ever seen that happen? YouTube just go down like that? Crap. It's happened before. Crap. That's weird. In the middle of a show, though? Like, that might... That might totally screw. Not with- in the middle of a show, but it's definitely been down before. I wonder if that's going to screw with our stream video. Oh boy, that's <laughs> my fault. Yeah, totally your fault. Totally. Yeah, I, somehow, I, I admit it. Somehow, you broke YouTube. Wow. You can just export the Twitch one out to out to. Yeah, I might have to. Uh, yeah, I guess I could do that. I forget, that'll, I, that'll probably be the the way to do it. Yeah, I haven't done that in so long. Yeah, it's broken here too. Wow. Wow. That's so it's doing weird. the thing where to like show me like the layout of where the videos would be if they were there. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. And then and then it briefly showed me an ad for YouTube Music. Oh wait, wait, it might be back. I just got a whole this isn't working thing. <laughs> yeah, I see. According to Down Detector, it's uh, seventeen forty-five reports just today. Oh crap! Oh yeah, tons of people reporting errors like right uh, now. It's delightful. Well, for Tuesday those of night, us, man. for those if of we us, we don't kill Steam, we kill YouTube. For those of us who are listening on Twitch and uh, whatever else we're broadcasting on Mixer and YouTube, I mean um, Facebook. <laughs> uh, thanks for sticking with us. But wow, that's crazy. if you're hearing us right now. Awesome. Yes, well done. Well done. That's that's insane. <laughs> do you, do most of your listeners tune on tune in on on YouTube? Actually, I think we do get the most viewership on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah the the live audience versus the 
the residuals. The residuals definitely went out. Oh my gosh. Oh, Discord. Oh yeah, look at this. One speed on Twitch says Discord seems to be struggling too, and he's right because uh, the little bandwidth indicator, uh, little bandwidth indicator on Discord right now is jumping between one and three bars, like just back and forth for me. Oh boy. Uh, well, we've been talking for half. An hour. Oh wow, we're dropping frames too on OBS. Maybe we should call it a night, you guys. <laughs> Before everything breaks. Let's go before the internet <laughs> gets gone. Gonna break. We've been talking for an hour and a half. That's pretty good, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. What is happening? So, folks, if you can still hear us. <laughs> if you can still hear us, the game is Starcom Nexus. You can buy it in about a month and a half-ish as we record this. We're recording this on... Um, October 16th, and you are planning, Kevin, on putting it out in early uh, December. Correct. Okay. Yep. Well, at least People we can, can still uh, hear each other. At least can, we can uh, st- wishlist it now and then out in early access, early December. Yeah. Um, and uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. This is a lot of fun. And, oh, it was uh, fun. I would love to come back on again once the once the game is, is out. Oh, uh, yeah. If you want to have me again. That would be oh, yeah. We, we typically do yeah. that. And speaking of which... Uh, our guest for next week, folks, is the developer of Helium Rain. Um, we're having, I, I don't remember how to say his first name. Is that going to be a morning show? Or yeah, it has to be because he's in, he's in Paris. Yeah. So we have, we have, it has to be a morning show. I don't know if you can swing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's in Paris. So, I mean, it's either we do a morning show or it's the middle of the night for him, which really, uh, that wouldn't be fair. Um, so, yeah, next week is an early morning show, uh, 6 a.m. for uh, Pacific Time. We're going to be talking to the developer of the just-released... We had him on... Here's the funny thing about that. We had him on a year ago exactly from next week. It's going to be... We had him on uh, December... Tw- I mean, October like 24th last year. So it's been like exactly a year since we had him on last. How crazy is that? Uh, so that's going to be really exciting because, guys, if you haven't played Helium Rain, it is $15 worth of gold. Seriously. It is like one of – for $15, it's it's a steal for $15. Seriously, the value of that game. for Oh, my God. Um, if you guys haven't played Absolutely. Helium Rain, just get it. You need to play it. You yeah. need to play it. Yeah, exactly. It- yeah, and they're continuing to work on it, too. Oh, so yeah. Just because it's out doesn't mean it's done. No, no, they're not done with it. Uh, and for Thursday's LAN party, which is also going to... We're doing 5 o'clock across the board now, by the way, folks. 5 o'clock Pacific. Yeah, until uh, further notice. Until, yeah, yeah until... It might change, but we're going to try and keep it on top of the hour. Uh, so on Thursday... Thursday, uh, a couple weeks ago... Was it a couple weeks ago? We talked uh, to the developer of Executive Assault 2. That was 2 or 3. last one. Oh, so about a, about three weeks ago. Uh, good good memory. Uh, so that game is coming out on Thursday. That game is coming into early access on Thursday, and we are go- we uh, Spaz and I spent about an hour of multiplayer with it last week before last week's stream, and we we didn't want to stop. We're like, crap, we got to do this. <laughs> we got to do the stream. Fine, and we had fun with Dustwin. Dustwin was really a lot of fun. Don't get us wrong. But we wanted to keep playing Executive Assault too, because God damn, that's good. 
Holy crap, that's good. So that's what we're going to be playing on Thursday. And if if you buy it and you want to play with us, just come on to the Discord and let us know. We don't know how many people it supports, but it doesn't have to be just Spaz and me. You know, it could be a, it could be a few of us. Like, because the thing is, you can have multiple CEOs and you can have multiple Executrons. So we could like do a comp and, stomp. And we, yeah, if we just have a few people, we could all go on to the same team and comp stomp. Yeah, with one exactly. of us is CEO. You know, I could take CEO role and the rest of you are Executrons, and we can just see if we can wreck it. Yeah, and it's it's so fun, you guys. It's so fun. So that game comes out on Thursday, and we're doing a stream of it on Thursday. So if you'd like to join us, just let us know on Discord. Uh, and and that is, I guess, it. So again, uh, next week's podcast is an early morning podcast. The next two, actually, are early morning podcasts. Because we love you guys, <laughs> and and we're fine with not getting any sleep. Uh, <laughs> and needing more caffeine, you know, but that's how Oh, it my works. God. So much, so many five-hour energy shots. Just so many five-hour energy. Uh, it's so much coffee. But, uh, again, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to talk to you about development and about your game, Starcom Nexus, which we're all – I don't know if you can tell we're all very excited about it. We're all we're all like kind of giddy about it. Thank you, thank you it's for having right. me. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, great to meet you, uh, Brian, Jim, and Spaz. I I really had a great time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was it was a pleasure on this. Uh, pleasure's on this side of the table, as they say in office space. So thank <laughs> you everyone for watching. Uh, except I guess those on YouTube who can't watch anymore. <laughs> but uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening, and we'll see you next week. Good night.